0: I'm Stephanie Overbuck. I'm Mel Wymore. And this is Part of Gold. We often rely on policy and political action to address the breakdowns in our communities, provide housing and education for those in need, care for our green spaces, and protect our rights and dignity as human beings. But just because we put policies into place doesn't always mean that reality changes. Sometimes it takes a dedicated community member to fill in the gaps. In this episode, we are speaking with
1: Silke Rösner, founder of Kinder Paradise, a home for children who've been orphaned, abandoned, or enslaved in Ghana. Though child labor and enslavement are violations of international law, it remains a persistent and growing issue around the world. We ask Silke to share her story and the work she's doing to protect these children. Here is Silke. My,
2: my name is Silke Rösner. I am born in Germany and I have been in Ghana for the past 23 years. And my work, the work I'm doing here is I'm working with children, three children. They were rescued from child slavery, all kinds of vulnerable children. And I have um, an organization, it is called Kinder Paradise, and uh, we have different locations. I have a children's home, where presently we have around 60 children, and we have a school attached from nursery to junior high three. And in addition, I have a day center for street children in Accra. And um, our day center is in the middle of Accra. And we reach out to street children and urban poor children. And also we help uh, children to further their education. Most of them, they, are, they have gone through our organization They have gone to the senior high schools, to vocational training centers, to universities, all kinds of uh, schools. So we try to uh, assist them uh, till they complete their school and then they will be independent and productive. So that is in a nutshell what Kinder Paradise is all about.
0: I mean, it's alarming to hear the words child slaver- slavery, um, is that, is that pro- prevalent? What does that look like and, and how many children are affected?
2: Yeah, thousands and thousands of children affected. Uh, you know, most of the time is that uh, uh, families, urban poor families or families really uh, have the issue that they are not able to take care of the children. and. Due to the family structure, sometimes they give children away. Somebody may come and say, I will help your child and send your uh, child to school. So then the parents will give that child to that person. But reality is the child will be sent to the lake and then the child will be used as a, a slave to work for the fishermen. And, you know, it's a very challenging job because first they have to learn how to swim. They are separated from their families. And a lot of children also drown because when they have to dive, you know, the Volta Lake is, uh, I think, a, a lake which was artificially created. So there are a lot of uh, tr- trees in the water. So in the nets, they will be entangled in that tree. So that the children have to go jump into the water and dive to get the nets out. And a lot of children also drown. So they are really dramatic experience and traumatic experience for the children they have seen some of their friends dying and also in addition you know you work for your master your boat master and uh, you know some of them will get maybe one or two meals a day they will work six days a week and their conditions are very poor so most of the time when they come they are malnourished they are wild and they don't trust and uh, It's difficult sometimes to handle them.
0: So it's mainly the fishing industry that exploits children this way, or is it more prevalent in other industries as well?
2: Uh, It's, you know, the community is a fishing community. So they need children to help, and that is a cheap way. You pay maybe 20 euro, 30 euro, and then you get your child. You have several children, you handle them, you give them the basics, and then the children, they have to just work hard for you. Even sometimes when they come with eight, ten years, the way their bodies look like, they look like bodybuilders because of the way they really, you know, worked hard.
1: I mean, I, I've heard, you know, that slavery is, is actually uh, increasing worldwide rather than decreasing. And, but you're the first one who I, I meet um, who is in touch with this kind of industry was well, actually not true like yeah. whatever we did find slavery but this seems to be really direct slavery where money is paid for a human being um, yeah. uh, that that human being then has to work um, and on top of that it's children so I mean it probably can't get any crueler than that yeah well,
2: it's it's a problem and you know most of the time they try to give them away when they are very young. Because sometimes then they will also remember their family, and it's difficult later to trace family. So then they are so used to the to the lake uh, that they don't know they don't know where to go. So they will just stay there. But uh, uh, when uh, you know we work together with organizations, they rescue them, and then they will bring the kids to us. So most of the time, they are boatmasters, They influence them, and they will tell the children if these people will come to rescue you, they want to kill you. So we had cases where children, maybe six, eight, ten years, when they came, even they didn't want to touch our food because they thought we are going to kill them. So it really takes time to deal with them, to win their trust.
1: So what's what's the source of, I mean, I guess it's poverty, right? Um, that must be sort of the... Like you know, we've seen it with Polly, right? Like poverty is this industry, but how? Um, and it seems to be sort of the similar kind of circle, circle there. What? What? How? How could? What could you do? How could you? I mean, what is the main motivation for those for this kind of slavery? And then what is it? How could? How? How do you see it, This can be stopped. Uh,
2: you see, the motivation is sometimes is a bit difficult because. We are dealing with two aspects. We deal with one aspect, which is called this child slavery. It means a child is taken from the family and given away. But also, there are a lot of children, their own family used to work on the lake. But that is child labor. And legally, it is also treated differently. So you also need different approaches. So sometimes, lack of knowledge, people give their children away and they may think they are going to help the child. Yeah. And also in africa children are supposed to work so when uh, the family uses the child to work on the lake it's normal for them because they also they have been working so it's only the legal aspect is something else mm-hmm. and you know the uh, sometimes even are uh, member of parliaments and so on they support their own people because if you take the children away they get very angry and One thing what we need to do is also to create awareness and uh, talk about child rights and see that children, they have to go to school. And on the other hand too, uh, it takes a lot of education. Um, And there the, the government has to come in where then maybe the Department of Social Welfare or other people will come in to create this awareness. So the children are
0: already kind of the na- a natural part of the local e- economy around the lake. And there's yeah. there's it's not a violation of the United Nations law that th- these children are working?
2: Yeah, it, of course it is. But, uh, you know, we have a long way to go in Africa. We have all policies nicely done and people are speaking about it. There are a lot of lunches of guidelines and so on but to implement is the problem because maybe you have you know people from the ministries but uh, to bring it down to the communities is very very difficult you know before uh, everything was handled from let me say the ministries and they work together but now there's a decentralization so even let me say with the Department of Social Welfare, there are two heads. And sometimes to streamline and bring things together is difficult. So uh, definitely it's a violation. But uh, also you can't change the world from one day to the other. It takes time. Because sometimes where we think it's normal, here is not normal. You see the community where we have the children's home, um, we were wondering always why the... Uh, rate of pregnant uh, teenage girls is so high and then even the department of social welfare they were struggling because their social workers they didn't come from the community so later we got to know that actually it's in the system that when you are 12 13 years and you are not pregnant even your own mother will insult you because it's time for you to have children so you see and you need to know the Uh, differences in the different locations from maybe their different traditions because even Ghana there's a lot of culture from the different uh, people from the egoists, Ashantis, everybody they have their own culture so that one is also an aspect you need to look at.
1: So Zilka, you're a white woman in Africa um, basically fighting for those children you created that home The educational system, but tell us about like how come? Like you you said, you've been there for twenty three years.
2: Twenty three years, yeah. So, um,
1: what? Why did you come to Africa? And you, you probably saw the situation. Tell us the story.
2: I will tell you the story. Yeah, (laughs) I came to Ghana in nineteen ninety two. The first time, that time was a part in my life where I was looking for a purpose. I have to confess, I was on drugs. I was drinking a lot, partying a lot, doing all kinds of stuff. But I wasn't happy. So when I came to Ghana in 1992, compared to now, it was quite different. But what I realized, there are a lot of people. They were, in a way, they were, they were, they were happy. There was a joy in their life I didn't have. When I left Ghana, that thought was there. But I went again over the years. And in 1995, I came to a point where I said I was able to take a decision to really throw the drugs, alcohol, cigarettes away. First March 1995, I just threw it away. And that day was a turning point in my life. And somehow also I was touched with the kids in Ghana. I never worked with kids. So if you ask me if I had any experience before, I will tell you, I had a niece, I had a nephew and here in Ghana, they would say, finish. That was all, you know. So, uh, but I was really, uh, I was touched with the children. And when I saw the poverty and children living on the streets, I said, that is something I want to do. And it was just an idea. So I continued traveling, but then in 1997, the idea became reality. And uh, in 1998, we met some Ghanaian people, and we went again to the streets, and we started preparing. And uh, I met a German lady. She was married to a Ghanaian in Hamburg, and they had a house. And the man said, "Okay, if you want to use the house for something like that to take care of children, you can use the house for free." So I started collecting things uh, in Germany to fill the house. So people donated, and you know, I tried to buy. I just imagined, what do I need? So by the end, then of the year, I was able to fill a container, and we sent it to Ghana. We renovated the house, and uh, then the first 15 children came to that house. And these were children from the disabled street beggars. Most of them, they were in wheelchairs. And as I said, it wasn't easy the way I'm telling you right now. So there is a lot of story to it, but maybe here the time may not reach to listen to all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a very uh, difficult task to manage Fifteen children in wheelchairs.
2: No, a uh, uh, correction. Their parents were in wheelchairs. They were okay. beggars on the streets. The children, they were all uh, kids with no disability. I see. Okay.
1: Wow, that's uh that's quite a story, silica You know, sort of. It's it, it's it sounds like you're you're like guided in in that journey.
2: Yes. Yes, it's true. Uh, you see. I realized if you really give your life to God and trust, then he will make a way for everything. That is in 23 years, that is what I experienced. Now we have uh, around more than 210 children we are supporting in one way or or the other. I have uh, 45 workers, different locations. So you can imagine there's quite an amount of money involved. But there I can see, You know, in that area up to now, I I try to trust. Sometimes it's difficult because your mind will play also tricks on you and maybe the doubt will come. So you have to let go and say, then I always remind God and say, God, that part is for you, not for me. So I will do and trust. Let me say three weeks ago, we had a heavy rainstorm and it really ripped off a lot of roofs and destroyed houses and so on. So in those areas, you always have to say, OK, you will start working on it. And then step by step, something will come up and help will come. And all the 23 years it has been like that. And I'm happy to say that, you know, some of uh, our kids, they have families. Some of them, they went to, to the university. We have one gentleman, he is in Japan's uh, studying business administration because he got a scholarship somebody is in Germany and he married there and he uh, went to do his apprenticeship there. He won an award because he was the best apprentice in the area of migration. I'm always surprised of what is happening because sometimes the way things connect and things work out, uh, it's amazing. So I'm happy about that.
1: And I I loved uh, that the kids who basically grew up in your shelter, I call it shelter, it's really more like a home, right? Kind of so they basically are also coming back and supporting you and they they must see that the you know the system they had been born into is fundamentally not working for the communities and the society.
2: You know, let me say, um, of course they are also in the system. But what I realized over the time that uh, some of them, they really, they uh, look at things differently. So there will be a kind of critical thinking, which is not negative. You know, we have the positive and the negative critical thinking. Usually the culture is like that. As a child, uh, you grow up with, I don't see anything. I don't talk and I don't hear anything. And um it's a challenge to, this is why we do child, right? Child protections uh, also in the community. Now, because of COVID, we are not able to do that. But I have seen that uh, now uh, kids who went through our system, they have a voice and they will speak out. Mm-hmm. And that makes me happy. So there I can see a change coming. But as we all know, change comes very slowly. But it is a foundation laid where well, I believe they can really do something in the future and bring a change.
1: That's wonderful. But is there anything really sort of very close to your heart, like a message you would really, really like to get out to our our listeners?
2: For me, even if I was able to impa- have an impact on one life, I have done something. So my encouragement for the viewers is they have they have neighbors, they have friends, they have people around, they are in need. So if you can touch one life every day with a nice word or a little shopping or whatever encouraging words you may give to the person, a phone call, a WhatsApp call, a Skype call, or whatever, make a difference. Because in this time now, what I can see, you know, because of COVID and everything, Life has changed and also the love is growing cold. And I think we need to go back to the love where we are there for one another to go through this difficult situation and not like you see in this time where everybody sits in front of the computer and when you are fed up with somebody, you're just off your computer and end of story. Then you move on. So my encouragement is everybody should open their eyes and they can also invite God and see what God can do in their lives because He has done a lot for me.
1: Beautiful, thank you, you
2: Yeah, welcome.
0: I hope that people see that what you're doing is so powerful, not just in 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 changing the lives of individual children, but to bring light to a system that's not really serving mm-hmm. the whole community. And it does yeah. it does go slowly sometimes. But I think if we can bring light, more light, to this problem of children being exploited uh, for profit, basically, that that we can change that very quickly. And I appreciate your uh, your bravery and your and your compassion and your willingness to speak out on this issue.
1: Actually, your honesty too, Silke, so to speak out about this. You know, I think it's very important to have people in the world who. Um, point out also kind of where, you know, where it hurts Um, and to speak out for the people, children who have, as you just said, you know, like they're they're basically taught not to talk.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm pretty sure we have similar situations um, of exploitations around the world um, where basically maybe it hurts too much to talk about it or we don't want to see it. Uh, And so we turn away and we need people like you who basically do not turn away and be there and kind of do their work and their purpose in life.
2: Yeah, you're right. But it's also, you see, everybody has a calling in life. So maybe I am given the strength to do that and you have been given the strength to do something else. But I believe also if we encourage and support each other, it means a lot.
1: Yeah, Silke has an extremely interesting story, like a personal story, right, for coming from um, northern Germany, um, having apparently a drug and alcohol problem, discovering Mm. Africa through a very particular state, Ghana, um, and seeing a very particular problem, children, poverty, slavery, Wow, a very impressive life story.
0: Yeah, and also emblematic of problems that we have all over the world, also connected to our economic system, right? And we have incentives. We have a system that rewards not just extraction and waste, but also exploitation of labor and, you know, and, and maintaining disparity, we have, you know, poverty and accumulated wealth. And I think this this interesting story of Ghana and the children there isn't so unique. Yeah, but there is something in her story, which I personally it really
1: touched me, you know, that she, um, it's not just getting the children off the street. It's giving them education from, um, I, I guess, around first grade to um whatever you probably high school level it is here in in the United States. Um, That's fantastic. That is a, a, that's not just bringing them off the streets, you know, that's giving them um, a home and something to build on.
0: And to pass on a different way of living to future generations. And, uh, you know, that's, for me, it's always this question of dealing with the symptom, which is, you know, Kids on the street or kids being exploited and the underlying causes. And clearly, through the education process, or at least hopefully through the education process, she's dealing with both. She's dealing with the symptom, and through educating those kids, also dealing with the system that perpetuates that exploitation.
1: I was wondering how, you know, these... Like, it's a very slow change. Like, she's changing the system of the, 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 the slavery through her children's home, basically over generations. And at the same time, I admire her acceptance. I mean, <laughs> you know. Well, I think
0: she's speaking, uh, you know, yes, it is slow. And yes, you can only save so many kids, right? But I think that the that her her point is really pointing to care for each other, care for the planet, care. Like you right. find fulfillment and happiness not by fulfilling your own uh, kind of personal success, but by reaching out and, and, and connecting to the larger community. And I think that's a really powerful message. Yeah. That sense of purpose brings happiness. And it also will bring us universal well-being if we all stick to that we are an independent listener supported podcast for the price of one latte per month you can help fuel our work and keep our content untainted by commercial interests for more exclusive content join us
1: on patreon.com or click donate on part of
0: thanks to our producer riley paul i'm mel wymore and i'm stephanie Overback. Thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening.